0: Hi, this is Gurusi Singh and you're listening to my Thick Accent Podcast. So for the ones who are new to the podcast today, first of all, welcome. And second, congratulations. This is one of your best decisions of the year 2023. So I moved to Canada in 2018 for the fall semester. I did a program for 14 months. And as per the rules, if you study for less than 16 months, you get the postgraduate work permit for the same amount of months you studied for. So I got the work permit for 14 months. I know it's sometimes not enough to get a permanent residency, but I was about to join a new job in a month, was moving cities, all in all, things were planned. But I got my work permit in February 2020. And a month later, well, God had other plans. And my guest today has been in a similar situation. But in his case, he did not receive his work permit in 2020. In fact, he moved to Canada in February 2020 along with his partner with the permanent residency. And the day he landed, there was a snowstorm. But who knew it was nothing compared to the storm he had to face 15 days after landing. Before moving, he has worked in India with Marks & Spencer, Tech Mahindra, Vishal Megamod as a human resources business partner, and currently in Canada, he works as people and cultural business partner with Lush, and is also an ambassador for immigrant networks that addresses the biggest pain points of newcomers and help them get on the path to succeed. Let's learn more from him how he navigated to the storm that shook the whole world. And if you happen to send him a LinkedIn request, and you also play table tennis or ping pong, do not ask him for a coffee chat. Instead, ask him for a game. Please welcome Soumya Sharma.
1: Hey, good evening, everyone, and uh, thank you, Gurajesh, for your um, very kind and generous uh, introduction about me. And uh, welcome, all listeners um let's let's hope that this is a very productive session for everyone and uh, looking forward to uh, to connect with you all in through my linkedin page uh, after you listen and you believe that uh, if i have been able to add some value uh, please feel free to uh, connect me with, connect with me on linkedin and uh, let's start
0: and like i said do not forget him to ask him for a game if you play table tennis or ping pong yes. right <laughs> <laughs> Okay, awesome. So Samia, welcome once again, I'm very excited for this uh, episode, particularly this this, uh, discussion of ours. So let me start by asking you that so from past two years, you know, I come up with a word that kind of defines my the new year as a reminder that I keep just to keep myself as a reminder because we do have this tendency to move on to the next thing so this year I've chosen the word celebrate you know just to live in that moment for some time and celebrate that thing and then I can move on to the next thing so I want to ask you is there any word or a phrase that you want to keep as a reminder for the upcoming months
1: well acceptance so hmm. acceptance towards a lot of things uh... Acceptance towards immigrants, acceptance towards some different style of speaking, acceptance Mm -hmm. towards a different way of thinking, and acceptance towards people who do not look like you, who do not behave like you. So everything starts with acceptance, and then the learning curve starts. So for Mm -hmm. me, it's it's going to be acceptance.
0: Awesome. Love that. So appearances and accents. That's what I heard. (laughs) That's what the podcast is about. So yeah, (laughs) let's just get into it. Okay. So before we get into unfolding your Canadian journey, let me take you back to the time you spent in India, specifically New Delhi, Delhi. So tell us about the formative years of your life and what the focus was on growing up.
1: So the focus always was uh, on how do I develop myself as a professional who adds to the organizational value. So as with everyone, um, i followed my parents dream of becoming an engineer after <laughs> after completing my 12th <laughs> right <Okay. laughs> yes yeah, so i i i, uh, I got admission in uh, faculty of engineering and technology at jamia milla islamia and um, that was also my first foray into the diverse culture that india has um it was the first time when i got exposed to a lot of folks which which came from a different culture, um, which came from a different thought process and how everything just amalgamates into this beautiful stream of thoughts and ideas. And we were able to uh, on how I was able to navigate through those years. Um, So, yeah, I completed my engineering uh, and I was also a member of IEEE. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I did a job, engineering job for about, uh, I think, a year on a year and a half. And uh, it just struck me at that point of time also that uh, the most intelligent people might not be the ones who get paid the highest or Mm. and or they might not be the ones who would be leading the organizations. Uh, uh, During that time, I uh, observed and and I realized that it's the combination of having excellent EQ and IQ skills that propels Uh, the workforce ahead, and by extension, the organization forward. Um, That's how I decided to invest my time in developing my skills in management, specifically, uh, and that too in human resource management. So then I completed my MBA from uh, Lal Bahadur Shastri Institute of Management, situated in Delhi. Um, And then I started my first gig at Marks & Spencer, even before completing uh, my mbi was uh, i was able to get into marks and spencer and uh, my boss uh, my first boss an awesome awesome person helped me to shape me on i mean a professional which i am today um, they negotiated with the college authorities uh, to I mean, to give me some, some kind of a blanket approval, okay. Till exams, he can come in and join us. <laughs> so, mm, <okay. laughs> so, so, and he also uh, selected me for a reason that I he wanted a person who had that HR mindset, but can also combine it with a lot of data analytics. And because I came in from an engineering background, so I introduced a lot of data analytics models. Um, and obviously, uh, whatever I had learnt uh, from that ana- analytical bent of mind uh, to influence some of the strategies and programs at Marks and Spencer. Um, then after that, I was headhunted by Tech Mahindra. Uh, so over at Tech Mahindra, I solved the problem of their uh, performance management system, uh, introducing the balance scorecard uh, into the uh, into the business. Uh, and then from there. Um, I, I got a role as uh, as an HR business partner at TVG Retail, which is a San Francisco-based private equity firm, and mm-hmm. the um, and the name on the streets or the brand name was Vishal Megamart. Um, so there, I have worked uh, as an HR business partner for about a year and a half, uh, or almost two years. I think it was two. Uh, and then I was promoted as a senior HR business partner, and then I was taking care of the business partnering activities for all 15,000 employees, including the corporate and store people. And um, yeah, and then just after that, I think uh, just around that time, uh, I and my wife received a PR, um, and then uh, we decided, okay, let's let's take the plunge, let's see what's out there, <laughs> let's let's explore Canada. And uh, there we were uh, in February of 2020, uh, just landing in Toronto. Uh, at the time, snowstorm was there, as as you as you described.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: They, it was like a perfect picture, uh, like like what some painter would have painted it for me. Like the uh, the airplane just came out of the clouds, and all I could see, okay, where's the ground? All I could see is is clouds. So it was snow. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah, so it was my first time seeing that much of snow. Uh, the whole city was covered in snow. The, the, these roads were covered in snow. Everything was covered in mm-hmm. snow. But yeah, I mean, uh, that that was a good time.
0: And Canada was the only country you decided to move to. That's it. Yes. Okay, so you said you landed in February 2020. So before we get into the lockdowns and everything, tell me how was uh, like your first day along with the snowstorm? What was going on in your mind?
1: Well, challenge number one weather the uh, snowstorm <laughs> right? I, yeah. I'd never seen one mm-hmm. um, and then uh, the first task was okay how am I going to go to my Airbnb <laughs> right oh, okay. there was no buses there was nothing <laughs> uh, so yeah but but then again uh, where there is a will there is a way I was able to find yeah. um, a, a driver who sp- spoke a same language uh, actually the person was from Pakistan. Mm-hmm. And uh, while he was driving, he told us a lot about Toronto. Okay, you can go here, you can go there, and a lot of stuff. Obviously, that warm greetings and everything was there just because that common language was always there. Um, so yeah, um then uh, I think the jet lag hit at around six o'clock in the evening. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Obviously, we did not have any phone, phone phone lines or anything like that, but um you're like, okay, let's let's take rest for that for this first day. And let's go out um, for, for our banking operations, for, for phone numbers, for this, that, yada, yada, yada. But before that, I think we were able to go out uh, to Fresco, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as soon as we entered, my first reaction was like, why is everything so big over here? Why <laughs> is an onion of the size of my full head? I just cannot imagine it, right? And I I, I could not identify a cauliflower. I was like... Oh my God! Why is it so big, <laughs> right? So, so maybe, and then uh, my wife joked, okay, this country is big, everything is gotta be big, okay. Maybe we have, we also came in with big dreams. Yeah. So let's see how it goes. So yeah, but then that was funny. Um, uh, yeah, that that that's how and treated us for the first day. Very warm, very uh, accepting. Again. Um, and very, very healthy, except for the temperature and this the snowstorm part, of course.
0: Well, you talked about, you know, vegetables a little bit. Was there anything that you tried for the first time in Canada that you have never tried before in India?
1: Hmm. You know those yellow and red color bell peppers? Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> I had yeah.
1: never tried them back in India. <laughs> okay. But over here, that along with Amas, oh my God.
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> exactly. So for me, it's hummus and this avocado. I think avocado is like my go-to breakfast, dinner, lunch, everything all the time now. I just have it all the time.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just, just I mean, crush the avocado, yeah. make it like a butter, spread it over your bread, sprinkle a little bit of salt and uh, green chilies, and then you're set. You're all set for the breakfast.
0: 100%. Okay, <laughs> now you're making me hungry, Soumya. So 15 days later, you know, 11th March, pandemic was declared. 13th March, you received your first interview call. And then 20th March, the hiring got canceled. And then a week later, you were working at Dollarama as a cashier. Tell us about your initial thoughts and that whole transition.
1: Well, the initial thought was we can't control it. Mm. So let's try to let's try to uh, do something which we can control. And that is uh, that is under our control. So what me and my spouse did was uh, we took printouts of our resumes and uh, we walked through a five kilometer radius from where we were living at that point of time. Mm. And uh, we submitted our resumes in each and every grocery shop out there by hand and uh, i mean stating the shifts we are available for and mm-hmm. yada 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 um so yeah and uh just when we were returning uh, i think the dollarama which um which we uh submitted our resumes was about four kilometers away obviously we were well, we were going on uh, by foot. Yeah. um so we were able to catch hold of the store manager the store manager was like okay let's no, come on in the next day uh, this is my this is my sh- uh, this is the time for my shift to end so i am about to leave come in the next day oh wow um, and uh, then we went over the next day and because i had a retail experience obviously from a corporate travel uh, and my spouse was in fashion industry so she had a lot of retail experience so we were able to get into dollarama directly as uh, an assistant team leader mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and the sole manager was very, uh, I mean, the sole manager herself was from Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so again, she had, uh, I won't say preferences, but she had um, a lot of hopes uh, and a lot of good feedback for immigrants because she had worked with a lot of immigrants. And she always knew that immigrants, they, they work like anything. Yeah. Um, they, they won't try to put you off. Uh, they would try to give the best which they can mm-hmm. and uh, she was really excited to hire us but then she was really upfront with us that you both are related
0: hmm. I will
1: give you an initial training for about a month or month and a half and then I'll have to separate you both and we were like yeah fine but uh, I mean <laughs> two people from the same household should never work at Seems the same case, location yeah. anyway
0: right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah that transition was good however the most painful thing was um Again, us getting emails on, okay, the interview has been put on hold. And then obviously we saw the inevitable coming after further three to four days of time, the interview have gotten canceled. No business has any foresight into how it is going to pan Mm -hmm. out, right? The stock markets were running like chicken heads. Uh, Sorry, like they had no chicken head, (laughs) right? And um, yeah, er everything was like so much chaotic. So we were like, okay, let's take a step back. Uh, Let's not panic. Um, and let's try to control on what is under our control. Mm-hmm. And let's try to focus more on them. Uh, and that is also where we tried to also get into a lot of online events mm-hmm. because some of the businesses were able to pivot around immediately to to online events and online networking space. And that's where we we try to network with a lot of people. And whichever jobs were available, we were still applying for them. Uh, it was just that we, uh, when we landed, we had a time frame of about three months that if none of us get any job in three months, we'll try to see if this is working out or not. Mm-hmm. But then we were like, yeah, we may have to wait for like six to nine months. Mm-hmm. Um, let's give us that amount of time. Let's give Canada that amount of time. And um, and yeah, that, that is how it panned out till 29th of March when we started our role at uh, Dollarama. Mm-hmm.
0: That is true that it was so uh, like unpredictable that what's gonna happen in the next few months, you know. And I think there was so much negative news also all around that the moment you open your, you know, social media, you were hearing this die that die, this happened, that happened. Even like in in, in your families also, you end, end up hearing those stories and it makes you sad. And you don't really don't know how to process this because again, nobody has been through this and don't know what's happening next. So You said it, right, that the best you can do in that situation is keep calm and make the best of the resources that you have in that moment, right? And, Soumya, if I'm not wrong, it was up until September that you finally got your, you know, desired job. But before that, obviously, you applied to, like, more than 200 jobs, you know. So walk us through a little bit to your, you know, job search journey.
1: Okay, so I'll segregate it into two parts. One was obviously the networking portion and networking takes a lot of time, Mm -hmm. right? So a lot of people think and imagine that networking is just sending out messages to people on LinkedIn and then imagining them to be be giving their reference to their recruiter, which cannot work. um, Because just because of the simple reason, like imagine if I am a candidate and you are the recruiter and i am just walking up to you for the first time in my life and in your life yeah. we both we both don't know each other and i'm like can you please refer me to this job in your <laughs> organization would you do it absolutely not you don't know me yeah. you don't love me you don't like me um i mean you don't know anything about me so uh, that's why i always suggest the immigrants uh, to keep patient with networking and that's what i was doing too <laughs> And then, um, I had a very genuine need and want to connect with people because if I don't connect with people, I'm not, I, I won't be able to put my best foot forward mm-hmm. because first of all, you have to learn on what the Canadian way of communications are. are what, what are the words which they don't use? What are the words yeah. which they generally use? Uh, because in our own native language, some of the things might be very, um, accept again uh, accepting and they they won't be um raising any eyebrows yeah but what we do is we think in our native language we convert it into english and then we speak out <laughs> so that may or may not be the best way to communicate because it is english is the first language english or french is the first language yeah. uh, for canadians and there might be some words which they are not accustomed to or they probably have uh, less affinity to yeah. right so i i was networking a lot during those times um and that's when i i stumbled across uh, a post on linkedin where a person said that they have made themselves available for anyone uh, if they can talk to us um or, or if we want to talk to them um and they would like to talk to us too um turns out that this person was uh uh, a co-founder of a recruitment agency also however when i connected with them i never asked them for a mm-hmm. job and there is just one thing again when when your intentions when your intent is genuine it will automatically come out and i haven't noticed it till date uh, so quite recently this person told me that this is the exact reason why they continued to have that relationship with me mm-hmm. uh, an online relationship right uh, is because i asked them how are you how are you doing and how are you coping up with Mm -hmm. this? Uh, I know you are into a business. A a lot of jobs would have just gone away. Companies don't know where they are going. So how are you coping up with it? And that person still remembers it till this date. They, in fact, I know now a lot of people, whenever they go to any any immigrant talks, they always tell them uh, that a genuine intent to connect would always go a long way mm. rather than just bombarding the question of can you give me a job how do i get a job how do i get this how do I get that the first step is to get assimilated into the culture of how people communicate and behave in canada right yeah. um, so that is that is what we were getting into more and more into so we were listening to a lot of people to a lot of folks um, in fact even listening to podcasts on how the small businesses will not pivot around, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously we were trying to apply for as many jobs as possible. Um, but then this time was a little bit hard. Um, I, if I say this time was easy, it was not, and it would it would be a lie, yeah. right? Um, I was um, managing fifteen thousand employees back in my home mm-hmm. country, right? And over here, uh, there were times at ten o'clock when I was mopping up the floors. Uh, when i was taking shit from a lot of other people <laughs> right at 10 in the night okay it's time to close the store please move out of the store please buy. Yeah. and let <laughs> and i also want to go back home right <laughs> uh, so that was there um sometimes there were times like okay why am i doing this thing uh i, I was so do- i was doing so very well yeah. uh, and and exactly after half an hour it was like some let's get let's snap out of it let's take a break and this is not why we're here so let's look at the long-term goal let's uh let us be strengthful enough to not let our short-term objectives hamper our long-term goals exactly um so that consistent conditioning on what is my long-term goal uh, that was uh, helpful and then obviously my spouse was helpful sometimes uh she was not feeling good. Sometimes I was not feeling good. So we were both there for each other. But then I, at that point of time, I realized that people who, especially students who would be alone during this time, um, they won't have anyone to talk to like this, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously you can talk to your friend like every second day, third day, fourth day, but then a lot of students don't even have that many friends, especially if they would have landed like 10, 15 days before the pandemic or the lockdown started. Um, So it was not an easy time, um, but we used to take time out of our busy schedules to still go out to the parks, uh, absorb in that green, uh, that green tree and everything around us uh, and try to go out as much as possible. Um, Although we had restricted our uh, weekly grocery budget at around $25 Mm -hmm. a week, which is literally impossible right now. Not at all. (laughs) Um, But at that point of time, it was. so, so, yeah, it, it was a hard time. And, and alongside that, I was always talking to these people, networking, and I never, ever asked for a job from anyone. I always talked to them about, okay, these are my skills. They tell me you know, what I need to do more so that I get more acclimatized and more accustomed towards mm-hmm. how Canadian businesses behave. Um, and the job search strategy was really simple. Um, network with people, uh, get to know their inputs and just keep on applying if there is no response on my resume for like 10 days or 15 days i used to change my resume in some or the other way because if i'm not getting any interview calls and probably there's is an issue no not probably mm-hmm. most probably 99% of the times there is a problem with our resume because a resume is our advertisement yeah. a one-page two-page or three-page advertisement and if we know the advertisement is not working, then it's better to change the advertisement rather than expecting a miracle out of it. Um, so that was, again, not not so easy because after every 10-15 days, you get to introspect, okay, why is it not working or why is it working? Yeah. And then you, you need to change it again, right? And obviously, it comes with all of those caveats of customizing your resume with the job description, speaking to the exactly. job qualifications and yeah. all of that stuff. Um, so that, so that is like, I, I just assume nowadays that everyone knows about it, but at <laughs> that point of time, there were, there were no WhatsApp groups. There were no such LinkedIn groups, um, that it, it seems like it's only three years, but I think it's been an a millennia, right? Mm-hmm. Because in these three years, there have been, there has been so much of help for immigrants. I, I now see WhatsApp groups. I now see LinkedIn groups. I now see Facebook groups. I now see a ton of material which which now new immigrants have, which we did not have, yeah. and it was just hardly three years ago. I just cannot believe the change uh, that we have been living through, right? um so yeah and then eventually i got my first job uh but then the journey was was not not at all easy
0: i think we you talked touched upon many topics the first thing you talked about networking was you know not to ask for that job immediately when you have that coffee chat with the person that is you know this one quote one of my guests who came like a few weeks back and she used this uh quote called you know let's just connect with people not just only collect You know, connect your connections, not just collect your connections. And I absolutely love that part. And the second thing you talked about is, you know, the business communication lingo that lingo to learn about it's like you have to like canadify your resume a little bit you have to find that Canadian equivalent of things like for example I gave this example before also that I kept on talking to my you know uh, this hiring manager that I worked for Adani Adani everybody in India knows about Adani right but here nobody knows yeah. about Adani there would be no no follow-up questions and no responses not at all but then I started saying okay so I worked for this uh, Indian multinational conglomerate. Oh, okay. So then they started, you know, reacting to that thing. So yes, you really have like finding the Canadian equivalent to your job and the descriptions that you have done in your country. That's like really essential. Apart from the business communication, there are other generic words which are not that common here. For example, if you go to a subway and you ask them to put, uh, you know, capsicum on your on your sandwich, they'll be like, what is capsicum? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) they will look at me as if i have said something really offensive they'll be like what i'm like capsicum that green thing oh you mean green pepper i'm like okay fine green pepper that happens (laughs) even some other words like you know for example uh, this is an indian english word which is uh brinjal like for the eggplant, yes. right? We don't use eggplant, eggplant in India, <laughs> so that happens. A lot of lot of these words that you come across, you're like, okay, I had no idea about. And another one I remember, I I heard Russell Peters in his comedy special. Like in in India, people always say, you know, we shifted to a new house, but here people say we moved to a new house. Yeah, and moved. then he th- then he said, yeah. considering the population of India, they can only shift; they cannot really actually move. So <laughs> so they so they said it correctly. So yeah, a lot of these words that you come across, right?
1: Yes, yes, and I love that anecdote on uh, let's not collect connections but connect yeah. connections. Uh, that that's that's a really good one. And the brinjal and eggplant. Oh my God! I mean, I was uh, I mean I was about to when I was about mm-hmm. to go to Freshco. Uh, sorry, when I was about to go to the Freshco cashier yeah. with the brinjal, I was like, "Can you please scan the brinjal?" And she was like, <laughs> "What did it just say?" She just said it at brinjal. Yeah she just stared at me right yeah. um because she, she 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 was a white person yeah. and then just behind her there was a person who was um, who seemed like again an indian and they were like okay they are talking about the eggplant <laughs> <laughs> so they helped me out actually yeah. uh, and that was like the first day itself when I, when we went to fresh uh, but a nice 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 piece of the memories thank you for that <laughs>
0: yeah and the other thing you talked about was you know the mental health how when you come here everything is hunky-dory and then eventually the reality kicks in the criteria to collect points finding the desired job you know managing your meals just takes a toll on you right and it's also because for the first time you're coming across all these things finding a balance between your life work and money and if even one of this is like not aligned it really hits you it hits you hard so are there any particular things or what would you say was something that kept you motivated or what was like the driving force for you during those hard times
1: Hmm, that's a tough one <laughs> <laughs> i think the driving force one was that we wanted to prove to ourselves mm-hmm. that um, that we can do it um, and we have to do it so eventually it turned out to we have to do it um, mm-hmm. I don't know how, how how it came out to be, but um, we did talk about, okay, the struggle is there. Mm-hmm. I did not know how to cook. I learned <laughs> how yeah. to cook over here in Canada, right? Um, and obviously, we had very less time during the whole day because we had to do our own dishes, our own laundry, yeah. our own cooking, our own cleaning, our own everything by our own, right? Which were taken care of by other people <laughs> while yeah. we were in our home country. Uh, and then on top of it, you, you're you living on a rent, right? Which you have to pay anyway. Um, so I think the thing which drove us was satisfaction. Like we are, we are uh, investing our time right now. It's not that we are spending our time. So that mind shift change from spending to investing our time. And talking about that satisfaction, like if we are able to achieve what we are here for, the satisfaction is also going to be ours. If the struggle is ours, then so is the satisfaction. Um, so I think we, we chased satisfaction at that point of time. And I would say I am um, I'm, I'm not easily satisfied. Mm-hmm. I try to stay hungry as much as possible. Um, but so far, so good. Uh, it has been a really good journey and uh, I can completely attest to this saying like, if the struggle is yours. The satisfaction is yours right now. I, I, I have so much of gratification, gratit I mean gratitude and that sense of satisfaction. Um, like whatever I did and whatever my spouse did, we did it for ourselves and we were able to achieve it. So that, that kept us going.
0: So so, I'm, so I actually went through some of your, you know, posts on LinkedIn and actually all around the internet, you know, and there were like some quotes, some stories, and some HR perspectives, which we don't know about some tricks, etc, which I think should be shared with the people. So after a lot of thinking, I decided to call this next segment, quote, unquote, questioning the quotes.
1: That's an interesting one.
0: Okay, so the very first, uh, let's just start from the basics, you know, a lot of words we hear about, for example, HR, recruiter, talent acquisition, and these are not that common in India, if I'm not wrong. So educate us about all this.
1: Okay, let's do it in this way so that it is structured for everyone uh, and everyone can comprehend uh, it in a way it is digestible. So human resources and recruitment are essentially, comp- are essentially two separate uh, entities uh, of the overall people and culture function. While recruiters would be considered as people who are hunters and people who are sort of uh, sort of the sales ambassadors for an organization because they are they're out there to um, to hunt for the best possible candidate at that point of time in the market for for the organization. Mm-hmm. Human resources would be considered as a support function um, that maintains the culture in an organization and that adds to the overall employee value proposition Um, whereas in in south asia human resources or let's just say people in culture function essentially would be considered as one uh, which will have further verticals on let's say talent acquisition human resources and human resources would have um, training development um, hr operations and everything like that over here it's just trade these two things, human resources and talent acquisition. If an organization is smaller, obviously you will see much more amalgamation of roles and people Mm -hmm. switching over from talent acquisition to human resources. Um, But when the organization becomes bigger, talent acquisition, it's a whole beast in itself. And human resources, it's a different thing altogether. So consider them as a part of people in culture team. And then you have these two essential verticals. And in fact, the the overall behavior pattern of talent acquisition folks over here is completely different from the HR uh, HR folks, um, just because of the amount of talent that is available.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? Give us a, a comparison comparison of the behavior.
1: Okay, so a talent acquisition professional would be out there during the bloodbath if there is no candidate available, <laughs> right? They would be hunting these candidates. Mm-hmm. It's similar to a sales role where you're trying to hunt a client mm-hmm. right but it says that you're trying to hunt a skill and you're trying to hunt for a personality
0: mm-hmm.
1: whose wavelength matches with the organizational culture okay. and their skills would be able to add uh, to the organizational value or how would they be able to propel the organization forward so yep. A talent acquisition professional in Canada would consider themselves an equivalent to being a, a, a salesperson. Okay. If you're good at sales, you can be really good at talent acquisition over here in Canada. Um, as for the human resources thing, if you're really good at managing people and if you have a very high EQ, okay. you will be able to make it up uh, in the human resources field over here. But again, um, if we talk about compensation, um, there are like Differences on how these two professional fields are paid. Um, the, um, so the human resources um, again, the hierarchy in human resources would be an HR assistant, then an HR coordinator, then a generalist. Uh, then they then the generalists either move to an HR manager role or an HR business partner role. And HR business partner role essentially also moves moves in and amalgamates with the HR manager role, then to a director, AVP, VP and uh, chief people officer uh, with recruitment. Uh, again, there are two facets to it. One is the agency-based recruitment. So agency in agency-based recruitment, there would be only talent sourcers where the compensation would be a really low, not a low base, but an acceptable base to a certain degree, but very high commissions. Mm-hmm. Whereas for similar roles in HR, you will have very high base with sort of a bonus with zero commissions office because these roles do not exist in the agency format and these talent acquisition professionals in big organizations also when some or the other way have something have some of some part of their compensation connected with the number of people that they hire Hmm. eventually right so a lot of organizations are coming up with such compensation plans too Uh, but some again uh, in very large organizations it it's Comparatively hard to make a change, mm-hmm. so they are still on that base plus bonus uh, sort of a compensation model, which I think eventually is going to change um, because the the talent acquisition professionals over here they they are really good mm-hmm. <laughs> they're really good they might not be able to come back yeah. to you uh, I see a lot of posts uh, that the recruiters do not come back to me and they're <laughs> ghosting me and yeah so it's just that th- this sort of things happens everywhere. And just see from a recruiter's perspective, their life is hard. They are going through hundreds or two hundreds of applications on every single job. Mm -hmm. And even if they respond back to you saying, okay, we are not selecting you, the natural tendency would be okay. Tell me why. Yeah. And uh, and that that itself can blow out into a lot of uh, other conversations, right? And and just because there is also a law on discrimination, and and essentially while you are getting recruited. It's it's a preference based on the perception on the answers which you gave yeah. on the questions which are asked from you that decide whether your candidacy is going ahead or not.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So there is that discrimination piece also that the recruiters have to be aware about else they get sued. So please do not... Um, feel sad that the recruiter didn't get back to you. If the recruiter didn't get back to you, um, just try to connect with them offline on LinkedIn and just try to tell them to ask, okay, what can I do better? Hmm. They can certainly tell you that, right? Um, Whereas in human resources professional fields, obviously you won't be able to get in touch with them so very frequently because you will be getting in touch with them only when a situation or a problem arises and then they will be helping you out. Um the compensation piece generally for the human resource professionals is a base and then um, a bonus, and that remains the same throughout and this is this generally does not match with the t- talent acquisition professionals mm-hmm. uh, so this is how both the verticals are segregated in terms of any people and culture team um, in in Canada. Obviously, the dynamics of small, medium, and large scale organizations do come in. And um, I could go on and on and on about this, but then if, <laughs> if you are a listener and uh, you want to deep dive more into it, feel free to uh, send me a message on LinkedIn and, and we'll chat through.
0: No, I think this was like a full-fledged seven-minute masterclass and I'm sure there is <laughs> 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 there is more to it. And yeah, I encourage every all our listeners to reach out to Soumya for sure. And so, I mean this does reminds me of two other quotes, you know, which I saw. The first was headhunting is like proposing a girl where you wish to God the opposite party says a yes. But isn't it the opposite that job hunters really pray that you guys say a yes?
1: Okay, so there are two things. Headhunting is when I am going out yeah. there and trying to hunt a passive candidate. Mm hmm. Okay. okay there are a lot of active candidates in the market who are applying to our jobs and everything like that and headhunting is something that i excel in and i i just love it to the core <laughs> right and i love it to the to the extent that i was sending messages to uh, to candidates at 12 in the night wow. and uh, my spouse was like why are you doing that i mean what impression would the candidate have about the company <laughs> and i was like it does not matter for me what matters is as soon as I see a candidate who can be a really good wavelength match with us, and I can compete with them, I can provide them with, with a really good compensation. Let's go for it, right? Why, why should I wait for it? Um, and then if and the candidate can ask this question during our one-on-one process, right? Because that is an interaction, and that's why I never call it as a, an interview. I always used to call it as a discussion. Uh, like it's it's a discussion essentially. Mm-hmm. Um. So, and let's throw out all the cards in front of everyone, and and everyone thinks the best for themselves, and we'll go on from there. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember about that quote because I was hiring for about eleven roles at at the same point of time. Um, I had about fifteen headhunted candidates, mm-hmm. um, and about five or seven candidates who applied through uh, through job portals. Um. And I had to close a lot of them uh, because suddenly the organization was expanding, and they were like, "Okay, we we gotta expand some. Let's hire, let, let's go, go, go." And uh, there were three candidates who whom I was very excited about, and obviously I knew at that point of time they had alternate packages so that's why i say head hunting is like proposing a bill <laughs> like i have put in my best foot forward yeah. this is my offer letter this is my ring <laughs> right <laughs> this is our ring of engagement so it's now it's up to you to say a yes or no right because when when uh, it's a no it's it's really hard to process sometimes because there is so much of time that goes into head hunting mm-hmm. and finding that passive candidate which actually has the same wavelength <laughs> as the organization right mm-hmm. uh, so that's why it is and and uh, And really good uh, research that you have done for (laughs) sure.
0: (laughs) Okay, so the next one was, you know, don't be afraid of ATS. because And the applicant tracking system, tell us about that as well.
1: Okay, so the ATS um, or the applicant tracking system, a lot of people come over here, and I don't know why do they demonize the ATSs that much. Mm -hmm. Um, I have heard stories from immigrants saying ATS automatically, expunges their candidature because of their name, but because of their country or because of certain organizations. Trust me, nothing like that ever happens. Till date, there has been no AI software, which, I mean, no AI based ATS software, which has a hundred percent capability and um, trust. To expunge or eliminate candidates to that high degree. All an AI-based ATS would tell a recruiter is how much relevant that resume is to the job requirements. Mm -hmm. And most of the times, most of the times, the recruiters are seeing the resumes on the other side of the table. Okay. And I can say this, some of my friends work in very big organizations in Canada, one of the largest organizations in Canada. I obviously cannot take their mm-hmm. names, mm-hmm. Um, but they have also assured me that an ATS is just two things. First, it maintains your resume in the database mm-hmm. so that if there is headhunting, need, which needs to be done, or let's just say if there is an urgent requirement, okay, I need a person to be hired in five days. So the recruiter would directly go to the ATS, would scan through the resumes, through some of the keywords. And then they will try to see their resumes and try to connect with the candidates or an ATS would just be used to manage the candidates throughout the process. If I'm getting 200 applications, how am I managing those 200 applications? Obviously, I'm not maintaining an Excel file for each and every role that I hire for. So what am I going to do? I take help from the software. Okay, this candidate shortlisted, they move to the next stage. Shortlisted, okay, first interview, next stage. So we can very easily see how a candidate flow is getting maintained throughout that whole process, right? If this person is in second interview, okay, what are the comments of the interviewer? What what did the recruiter say? What did the candidate say? What is overall rating? How are we going to move ahead? So the ATS manages the candidates and makes the life of a recruiter easy by giving them that sales funnel, that funnel, that recruitment funnel, like this is how it is working, I don't know, unfortunately, why so many people are afraid of the ATSs. Uh, But yes, there are some basic features of ATSs that the recruiters use. If, let's just say, there is a questionnaire on, do you have work authorization to work in the country which you're applying for? If you say, if you answer it as no, obviously, the ATS is going to eliminate your candidature because there is no sense in... The recruiter or or even anyone in investing that time in you because you don't have the work authorization right uh, so for those basic questions yes that ats can still be used but ats getting used to eliminate the candidature based on name country um, their sexual orientation or anything like that nothing like that ever happens on other side of the table it just makes the candidate flow and the recruitment funnel uh, in in a very visible manner uh, to all the stakeholders involved in in that hiring process. So don't be afraid of the ATS. Uh, And this is also one of the things that I say to everyone. If you have a sort of a resume that is really high on numbers, and it also shows your high EQ skills, you will be getting shortlisted by recruiters or organizations which have a similar wavelength if you get rejected trust me it's one of the best things that ever happened to you (laughs)
0: love that (laughs) yeah and just to add to that i think that's why it's always said to cater your resume as per the job description
1: yeah i mean generally atss don't do that scanning it's always the recruiters recruiters in about 10 seconds they are able to see if your resume really speaks to the job description or not, Mm. because they're doing this day in and day out. Obviously it breaks the hearts of the candidates. How can you decide in 10 seconds if my resume is good enough or not? And that is the challenge. That is the exact challenge that candidates have to see. Your advertisement is given 10 seconds of one-on-one time to the recruiter. How do you compel that recruiter to flip your resume to the second page? Mm -hmm to the third page yeah. because if they have completed their full journey through your resume, you will most likely be getting shortlisted. And that is a challenge for the candidates.
0: Yeah. And I think the next one is very similar to this one. It kind of adds to that, which is adopting a Canadian sounding name is not the solution.
1: Well, um, first of all, it's a very unfortunate thing if people think about yeah. that. And I, and my simple thing is that if an organization's perception in the market is that you may have to change your name to get shortlisted then i won't Mm. even apply to that organization exactly talk about diversity right so that organization does not deserve your candidature but still if if that person or if that candidate is desperate enough i still do not advise uh, to do that because you won't change your identity. How I mean what all you would you change? What's the next what's the next thing that you would change in yourself? Right. So just be yourself um, and try to find an organization that matches your wavelength. That I, I always say that. If you try to be in an organization which does not match your wavelength and you have faked it till you make mm-hmm. it, till you have made it, you won't be happy. Not your at mental all. health yeah. will suffer and and you would probably end up leaving that job in like one to two years of time frame. And 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 I've not even considered the amount of stress it adds to you because you faked it till you made it. And now you have to maintain that artificial personality of yours for the next one to two years of your life, which are never going to come back. So it's one thing to be desperate, but it's another thing to be finding what speaks to you. Mm -hmm. What is a calling? Do that. It is easier said than done. I know about that because I have walked through it. I've gone through that and I had a very honest chat with my uh, CEO. I mean, while I was giving the interview, Mm -hmm. like this is, this is who I am and what is the kind of a person or what is the kind of personality that they're looking to hire for. And they were very upfront with it too. And we found an 80 to 85% match. And I was like, yeah, 10 to 15% differences (laughs) would always be there. And we will try to work it out. We will work it out. Uh, that's our job, right, at the end of the day. But then if there is an 80% match, go for it. Mm. Um, But then I have seen immigrants getting into some job and then um, repenting it uh, and then eventually leaving that after one year. And Mm. then they get even more frustrated. (laughs) And that attachment with Canada and and that illusion just starts to creep in and it, it is not very healthy for sure.
0: So I mean, let's just pivot towards Immigrant Networks. You know, you are an ambassador for mm-hmm. Immigrant Networks. And like I said, initially, they cater to the biggest pain points of newcomers from networking to finding a job and obviously getting on the path to succeed. So tell us all about that and also about the Wednesday calls that are organized.
1: Yes. So Immigrant Networks is uh, the brainchild of Nick Norani and it's all pro bono. We give all of our time, all the ambassadors. We give uh, a pro bono time to um, to immigrants to connect with us. Uh, And our motive is: please do not commit the mistakes that we did. (laughs) Second, learn from us. Third, put your best foot forward. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything that we do does not always have to do with job hunting because we also advise people on how to manage your finances, Mm -hmm. how to complete their financial journey over here. how the different sectors look like how does marketing look like over here how what what are the expectations of marketing professionals we we even have people who are working with big banks um who are our ambassadors then people in finance um so every wednesday we we hold these calls uh, from 5 to 6:30 pacific standard time Uh, Wherein we choose a topic of the day. Uh, The topic of uh, that Wednesday is uh, revealed in uh, the LinkedIn page of Immigrant Networks. Um, So please, first of all, all the listeners, uh, please follow that. uh, And please um, try to attend as many sessions as possible. Wherein we ambassadors, um, which are like now, I think, more than 15 in number.
0: 17, last I checked.
1: Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for the fact. Check. Yeah. Uh, so yes, uh, so more than 15 for sure. And they would ever be increasing because mm-hmm. we all are the people who actually have gone through this process and we trust this process. We know how the communication goes. Like we, we hold calls on, okay, what are some communication tips for you? Like Nick Rani introduced this thing called as broccoli challenge. Um, so mm, the challenge goes on like, okay, if you're a new immigrant, mm-hmm. if you're a newcomer, a new immigrant, Uh, And you are in any grocery store. So hold up a broccoli in your hand, walk up to a person who does not look like you and talk about broccoli. Talk about broccoli with them for five minutes, right? Try to strike those conversations. Hmm. The motive is to try try to strike those conversations. And that's a really good thing that Nick came up with. I think it has, it has picked up some steam (laughs) now. So a lot of people do keep on posting over broccoli challenge, broccoli challenge, um, but then we we all I mean we are a good mix of ambassadors who have HR experience who have mm. marketing experience um, finance exp- I mean accounting you say it we 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 have those professionals in IT uh, in a lot of other roles so uh, every Wednesday we have these calls uh, first of all second we reveal the topic uh, about three to four days earlier on our LinkedIn page of immigrant networks. Um, And then we also hold one-on-one calls um, with people who want to uh, chat up with us uh, on a one-on-one basis. Obviously, everything is pro bono. Um, And uh, that's how we try to help. And if if we can refer someone to uh, some good person, which can be of better help to them, we do that too. Um, So it's like a channel which enables immigrants helping immigrants. Um, Mm. And this was started with the single intent that even if you are on linkedin you would still have to send a message yeah. right you will still have to send a request and wait for that request to get accepted yeah. which happens one in 20 uh one in 20 instances right and then you have to wait for that person to respond back over here once you register on immigrantnetworks.com which is free Uh, you set up your preferences. Uh, Let's say if I go and I mention that, okay, I'm an HR business partner, I'm in human resources, I have these many years of experience. So what uh, the AI software in the back end would do is they would try to match these professionals uh, or these people with international experience with people who are already in Canada in that same profession. So let's just say if uh, Gurashish is a human resource professional working in in India, Mm -hmm. And I'm here in Canada and you register on immigrantnetworks.com. So the AI software will match you and me up and it will send an email to us both. Like you two are both matched. Please pick a timing of your choosing and then um, connect on a one-on-one. After the one-on-one is connected, it even gives us the feedback loop, like give the feedback to the other person on how they were or what they Mm. can do. Right. So it's an immediate connect. For any person having international experience to connect with the person in Canada who has that ex- exact same experience in that field in, in uh, and work, is working in the same professional capacity in Canada. So we bypass everything from accepting or sending messages and waiting for Zoom calls and then yada, yada, yada. Everything is taken care of by that AI software automatically. Um, so so yeah so now we are introducing a lot of uh, other, other cool stuff uh, so good things to uh, follow from here uh, my suggestion to everyone would be go to immigrantnetworks.com it's free of cost to register just register yourself fill in your preferences and you will be matched with your uh, with, with a person of your own profession who is working in canada and then you can take tips from them you can develop your network in a much easier way obviously most of the networking will happen on linkedin but you will get access to these professionals through through this portal so make use of it
0: wow it sounds absolutely incredible somya thank you for sharing this and to all my listeners i would encourage you to reach out to somya and also to join immigrant networks all the links can be found in the show notes Talk to a lot of you know students on Wednesdays and you do, do come across a lot of people reach out to you as well and another quote that I saw another post basically that I saw on your feed was the biggest factor stopping job hunters especially immigrants from securing a job in Canada is the communication where you mentioned that candidate end up saying 500 words for a short answer maybe which can be effectively answered in 100 words and it can be even more impactful than those 500 words tell us about that.
1: So it's one among these cultural changes uh, or or the variance in culture, as I call it. Um, So over over in South Asia, we have a tendency to explain the topic to everyone, (laughs) right? But over here in North America, it's not the same. If you can make it clear, crisp and concise in about 100 words or in two minutes, that's enough for them. They will automatically assume that you know it. They would trust you during an interview right which does not happen that frequently in south asia because they try because in south asia the the uh, priority is to weed out the candidates who are trying to fake it but over here it's it's more of a trusting culture so i always advise people to write down their answers remove as many lines or as many unnecessary statements that they can structure their answer in obviously uh, this is the situation this is the action and this is the result. And then try to practice it, stand in the front of mirror and then speak it out loud um, and then practice it. If you think that the answer is going too long, like five, six minutes, people here in North America will think that you're full of SHIT, <laughs> yeah. um, which does not happen in South Asia or or, or mostly in um, or even in African nations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, generally speaking, but over here, if you're clear, crisp and precise, um they will certainly believe you um and they have a much more grueling process of getting information from you and if it mismatches they will know about it so there is uh, there there is less sense in speaking for five minutes straight than for speaking like two minutes two and a half minutes and be done with it
0: Hmm. And to add to that, you also, I remember said in our conversation that wear your accent as a batch. And I absolutely love that. And this reminds me of another quote that you shared, which was if someone is speaking to you in a foreign accent, they are smart enough to know two languages and were brave enough to do their job in the second.
1: Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So, yeah, that is something that... uh... A lot of people do ask me, okay, how I develop that accent, and I'm like,
0: you don't have to. Come on, be your authentic yes, self. Yeah,
1: exactly. All you need is to find a way to communicate with the other person. If the other person is able to understand what you're trying to say, that is it. <laughs> that is it. That is all you require. Hundred percent. And um, yep, yeah, wear it as as a badge of honor uh, because it shows that despite you being different. You left your whole country. You left your comfort zone. You are in this comf- You are in this zone where you don't know many people, yeah. or as many people as other people might know, right? And you are putting yourself out there. You are already brave enough. It's it's just a matter of uh, patience, perseverance, and do not let yourself down because you have an accent. Mm. Uh, just take care of your communication. Take, I mean, take on the broccoli challenge, (laughs) (laughs) speak to other people, Uh, talk about communication. Uh, Dollarama helped me in a lot of ways uh, that I was able to gauge what to say, what not to say, what what are those words which, which I have to avoid. So I do candidly advise people, like even if you can do a job at Walmart or Walmarts or Freshco's or Dollaramas for about two, three months, that will be a huge confidence boost for you um, yeah. and you will get into that habit of thinking in the second language if not thinking in the second language then at least you will get into a hang of not stammering a lot uh, not using filling words or filler words a lot and then speaking at a very comfortable pace yeah um and then if you want to speak fast you can speak fast if you want to speak slow you can speak slow but eventually all that matters is if you're able to communicate if you're able to do that yeah there is there is nothing else needs to be achieved or or proven
0: yeah. 100% it's not exactly how you are saying it it's about what you are saying exactly and also i've said it so many times in the podcast it takes a little bit of time to get accustomed to each other's accents Give each other mm. a little bit time and, and you'll be absolutely okay. So, so let's just get into the final segment of the podcast. I call it Beneath the Accent. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. You can answer them in one word or a sentence or howsoever you feel like. The idea is just to know more about Somya. So ready?
1: Yep. Yeah, let's go ahead.
0: So very classic question. What advice would you give to Somya who is in the initial months of landing in Canada?
1: Connect. Connect connect on linkedin with with a lot of people
0: okay next is what's this one habit that you adopted that has changed your life
1: gratification saying thank you to to a lot of folks hmm. uh, in my life every single day
0: 100 can't agree more and what's something you have learned recently that you wish you knew earlier
1: i think i would say if i was more um Comical, or let's just say, uh, if I could have, I could have used a lot more jokes when I was conversing with people. Generally, I come across as a very serious person. <laughs>
0: okay.
1: <laughs> but now, uh, now I try to insert jokes here and there. But that is one quality which I would uh, like to make myself aware of, and then also imbibe in myself.
0: Okay, interesting. So, what did you recently buy that you now regret?
1: My car. <laughs>
0: you, you regret buying your car. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I now regret not buying an electric one. <laughs> oh,
0: okay. <laughs> so, what's the most expensive thing you own?
1: Hmm, my relationship uh with my daughter.
0: Oh, I can't beat. Nobody can beat that. But okay, now tell me the realistic thing. What's the most expensive thing you own?
1: <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's a tough one. That's a real tough one. I think my relationship with one special person <laughs> who who introduced me to my first job.
0: Okay. Okay. So, what's the most expensive thing you would like to own?
1: Hmm. Some sort of a land plot in Jamaica.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Any specific reason why Jamaica?
1: Well, my environment is under my control. So, why not live the island life?
0: Hmm. Okay. So, what's next on your bucket list then?
1: A trip to Hawaii or Jamaica.
0: (laughs) Okay. So, who's your go-to person?
1: I would say it's not a person. Mm -hmm. Um. But it's, it's actually um, Deepak, uh, which is Bhagavad Gita. Hmm, okay.
0: uh,
1: so that is, that is my go-to, um, I can say person, you know, because it was recited by a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is my go-to uh, resource uh, for anything.
0: This also reminds me of another quote that you posted from Bhagavad Gita, which was pursue what you do selflessly. Do not desire for the fruit. Yep. I remember that.
1: So first deserve and then desire. That's that's my motto also. I always go with that.
0: So if you could have one superpower, what would it be?
1: Turn back time and get into an HR and IT kind of a role, <laughs> which amalgamates both of them.
0: <laughs> okay. So if you would have to create one law that everybody has to follow, what would it be?
1: Be truthful.
0: Describe Canada in one word or a sentence.
1: Wow. Respectful.
0: So lastly, if you could leave me with one piece of advice, what would it be?
1: Keep smiling. Always. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Keep on that smiling. Never never let that go.
0: (laughs) So, Samia, I would like to end with an excerpt from... A note that you wrote to Somia of the Year 2024, that you wrote in December 2020, Mm -hmm. and just an excerpt from it, which, which goes, ending the year with some great people by your side, which you did not know even existed when 2020 started. The struggle has been yours, the failures have been yours, and so has been the success. If you are feeling down, lost, or indecisive, just remember this time. Take the bold step. Never stop throwing yourself out of your comfort zone. Failures will come. Learn and move on. So on that note, Samya, thank you so much for being on the podcast and adding value to my listeners. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Guru Asis. It was a pleasure talking to you.
0: Hey, listener. Thank you for making it to the end. I highly, highly appreciate you listening to the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't as yet. And please share with your friends or anybody you think would like it. And like I always say, we encourage you to follow your heart, but also us on Instagram, the handle is my thick accent. You can also leave us a review or write to us at hello at mythicaccent.com. So stay tuned and let's continue knowing each other beneath the accent.